Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. Each episode, I speak with industry experts from the attractions world. In today's episode, I speak with Esther Johnson, freelance designer and illustrator specialising in working with heritage sites. We discuss the importance of having niche products in your gift shop, how you can develop these for your attraction and what you need to think about before taking the plunge. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Esther, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's so lovely to see you again. Thank you very much for having me. Very flattered. I love the (laughs) backdrop that you've got there as well. For everyone that's watching this on on YouTube, I can see your beautiful illustrations that we're going to talk about in the background. Yes. It's a lot more beautiful than my background. No, 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 it's authentic. It's an authentic work from home. Um, yeah, no, we redid it um, last year, the start of April, um, and didn't know that it was going to be really useful for having meetings like like this. So, Who did? Thank you very much. <laughs> you are welcome. Right, as ever, we're going to start off with some icebreaker questions. So, if money was no limit, what would be your absolute dream holiday? Oh, easy um Nashville I'm such a big country music fan I absolutely love Nashville and um I would love 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 to go and sort of like listen to like the the music and sort of like drink the beer and everything like proper Nashville want to do it that is on my bucket list so if I had all the money yeah that's straight where I'd go I love that there was no hesitation whatsoever in that at all yeah I've got this planned already (laughs) literally country music that it's all I listen to as well like during the day it's all I listen to so who who is your favorite country music artist okay so bit of a girl crush on Carrie Underwood um I've seen her I think it's like three times uh, in London and yeah I think I just absolutely like, I think she's just such an incredible performer and I love her outfits and I love just everything that she's doing but um yeah, carry on doing it. Right. Yeah. I think you've just set the Spotify playlist for me for the rest of the day then. Yeah, I'll have to, have to check her out. Yeah, so I've got a playlist. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely carry on. <laughs> okay, what is your food-based guilty pleasure? Hmm, probably after eight. So I have a few like food allergies. So my palate is barely limited at times. So after eights are literally my go-to for everything. It's like the only chocolate I can have. So it's definitely my guilty pleasure. The only chocolate you have. Wow. Okay. Do you play the yeah. uh, after eight game when you eat them as well? <laughs> no, waste time. Waste time. Now I'm straight in. <laughs> <laughs> Messy too, depending yeah. on the time of, of year. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, this oh this is this might tie in actually to your dream holiday. If you could only listen to one album for the rest of your life, what would it be? Ooh, probably Tommy Scott. This is very Scottish, but it's literally my family's favorite kind of tunes and um, songs. But Tommy Scott, and he'll do like a range of "We Belong to Glasgow" and and all these yeah very Scottish things. So. Tommy Scott. I don't know what album, but anything he's anything he's done, I will listen right. to that. I don't know Tommy Scott. I'm going to have to put him in my playlist. <laughs> I'm sure you'd like maybe recognise if you've been to a Burns night or like a Kaylee or, or maybe Hogley, like New Year's Eve. Literally, they'll play some of his music. But um, <laughs> Esther, it's unpopular opinion time. My unpopular opinion. 
is I really don't like pasta and I'm sorry because <laughs> I'm so sorry I really don't like pasta and if we've gone out for a restaurant and gone to like an Italian and you have pizza why would you choose pasta over pizza I just don't get it so that, yeah no I get you on that that is there's no there is no decision to be made there but all the way but you don't like pasta at all at all like I'd rather have I mean I like rice anyway so I'd rather have rice but yeah literally if mom and dad are having pasta I will have rice or something else or potatoes but yeah pasta. I don't know if it's the texture or if it's the taste or I don't know it's just not for me at all <laughs> I'll accept your unpopular opinion I will I don't agree with it but I think that there might be a few people <laughs> yeah I'm I'm very much alone in this house as well so um <laughs> right let's get on to the serious questions so oh. Esther I think we connected on LinkedIn quite a while ago. Um, and I have to say, I'm really blown away by the illustrative work that you do. I think it's, it's absolutely beautiful. But you're a freelance designer, but you specialise in illustrations and products for kind of heritage sites. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you started your business. So it was back in 2017. Um, I've just been on the Prince's Trust course. So they, they do an enterprise course and it's like a four day sort of crash course into sort of running a business. So it does your taxes, your marketing and um, yeah, so four days of like full on business stuff. And they were doing sort of like pros and cons of like being an entrepreneur or being self-employed. And every single one I was like, yeah, I really want to be self-employed. I want to make my own sort of um day job and routine um so got partnered with a mentor and we started talking about what I could do as a business really so sort of creating that idea I said I really like sketchbooks and drawing and things like that but things that I like drawing are sort of like the quirky characters of not characters as in like Disney characters but characteristics of places and there was a program um recently that really like summed up sort of like my sort of mindset into what I do for business hopefully what I do what I, what I am to do for business um it was Tony Robinson and he did this um documentary on cathedrals in England and he was saying that unless somebody pointed out these little details you wouldn't know so so many people would just like walk past and and that's like that's absolutely fine because it's all this history and it's those kind of quirky things that we was talking about that I really loved and wanted to capture through illustration so there was like a video on um, on Facebook I think it was and it was all these railings that were really bizarre in London and they were old World War II stretchers and they'd been recycled into railings and it's that kind of idea that I really like drawing so we're like well how can we get that concept because it's heritage it's history and sort of quirky characteristics how can we get that concept into a business basically um, so we started thinking of places that were local to me so in Medway and um Chatham Dockyard um sort of came to came to the list and so one day just sort of basically walked in I had had a couple of designs in a in a um folder and sort of when can I speak to the retail manager um hadn't planned anything didn't know what I wanted to say and he didn't laugh me out the door which was which was really nice so um he sort of said yeah we'll come back um he had a look at my designs in the in the folder sort of seem to seem to like them they said come back with some designs and we'll go from there so 
that was it. So I went around the site and Jandok was like, I think it was like the biggest employer for Midway um, before it closed. But there's so many different aspects of it. So there's the three ships. There's a Victorian ropery where they filmed Call the Midwife. And um, there's all these buildings. So there were so many different aspects that I wanted to sort of capture that I felt like it couldn't go into one design. Um, I felt like it would go as a collection. Um, so I did by the docks, so focused on the the ships and the sort of maritime aspects of Jutland Dockyard and called it by the docks. And then um, the long walk because the Victorian ropery, I think it, I'll, I'll probably get this wrong, but I think it's like a quarter of a mile long building. Um, so called it the long walk and the colours were sort of brown and sort of earthy in the sort of style that you would see when you go and visit. And then finally, um, I wanted to capture all the different buildings because it was like a little um, community in the dockyard. So they had like a little church and they had a commissioner's house. Um, and it's all things that you see passing by. So, yeah, so I had the three designs, came back and he seemed to like them, which was um, <laughs> really lovely because I had no degree, no experience, absolutely nothing to my name. And I thought no one's going to take me seriously. Um, but I think he saw that I was really interested in sort of the dockyard in particular and finding out the history of it and sort of capturing that through illustration. And um, I think some of the comments that he said as well was that um it was quite unusual that people would go that an artist potentially or a designer would go and do some work specific to them normally they would either buy in stock or they would buy um some designs from a catalogue kind of thing um and the fact that I sort of went and wanted to get it bespoke for them was a bit was a bit different and it was those kind of like nuggets of information that sort of built and to this idea of what I wanted to do for for a business so yeah cut two and then we went into a product launch we had all these products and having like my name on these actual labels and there being like barcodes and everything so professional it was like wow this is um yeah lit the fire for what I wanted to do that must have been such an amazing feeling to be able to kind of go into a shop and pick up something that you have designed and you've illustrated yeah. and it's there you know it's a physical thing yeah I definitely <laughs> definitely been in there a few times to just take pictures and just (laughs) this is so bizarre so um but but yeah it really sort of like sparked that sort of idea of that heritage is definitely the market that I want to to go in um and do it for other places I mean there's so many other museums in Medway and in Kent so yeah that that's kind of that's where it started it's a brilliant story I love that you were supported by Prince's Trust Mm -hmm. as well I think they're such an incredible organization what they do for for young people really fantastic you're a mentor for them as well aren't you uh so no I'm a young ambassador for them ambassador so um so every now and again so over lockdown there's been so many like enterprise courses that have been running and on the week you get so they call it an inspirational speaker at the end which um yeah it's strange to recall that um and I sort of go on and sort of tell my story about how I run the business and how the business trust has helped. So I did like eight of those over lockdown. Um, so the demand for small businesses and people setting their up, up their own business um, has definitely been on the increase. So, but yeah, Princess Trust still keep in contact with my mentors and um, in contact with yeah the southeast and London region, which is incredible. I've never met a bunch of people that are just so willing for you to do well (laughs) across the board they're just everyone's so happy and so excited about what you're doing and and um yeah it's really encouraging oh it's amazing and 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 I love the the progression that you've made and what you've achieved so far 
The reason that I got you on the podcast today is there's a few things that you mentioned in, in as you were kind of t- telling your story about how you set up, there's a few things that you mentioned that tie in really lovely with a past uh, episode that we've had on the podcast. So back in November time, we had Simon Jones from Digital Visitor on. And at that point, we were talking a lot about, a lot about um, kind of the fact that obviously attractions have been closed for a huge amount of 2020. As they were starting to reopen again, they needed to look at different ways of engaging with the visitor when they came and actually not just when they come, but when they when they're buying from them online or when they're buying from on the gift shop on site. And Simon and I both very much talked about the, the fact that attractions need to stock products that you can't buy anywhere else. That's the whole that's the whole point of going to that gift shop is that you don't you know you don't really want to just pop in there and buy something that you could pop to Tesco's and buy yeah. or pop to you know your your high street gift shop and buy. The reason for going is you know you're you're you've been to this fantastic attractional day. If you're going to go into the gift shop and buy something, you want to buy something that you can only get there that is very kind of individual to that venue. And you touched on that a little bit when you were speaking about you know your client had kind of said you know that it was it's unusual for them to have illustrations that were very much focused on them rather than just buying something that was stock yeah um so I I wanted to talk through your process really because I thought that would be really interesting for our audience like how you work with an organization to do this so can you tell us a little bit about like how how that process starts you know what do you do when you're first speaking to an attraction how do you start that process of designing something that is bespoke for them? Um, most important, it needs to be, I need to visit the place. Um, there is so many, there's obviously so much you can get from the internet and looking at social media, but um, actually visiting as a visitor and as a customer, you sort of see things that you wouldn't necessarily get on the internet. And also, I think a huge important part of when I do design is speaking to the staff some of the visitors and some of the people that work there because they're the experts in that place they've been that some of them have been there in like for their whole career and and know every inch of of the history of of the museum or heritage site and it's that kind of information that I think is crucial and is really helpful in making a really good design because they'll know what visitors are always keen to go and look at what are like the best sellers or the must-sees of of each place and it's that kind of information that you wouldn't get on maybe the internet and you sort of get a feel, you get an idea of what the colours and sort of what um, the place is sort of laid out like, so that when you've done the whole journey and then you finish up at the gift shop, which sometimes that is kind of how it works in museums, you know what they're kind of expecting and what colour products they would want to have as part of their trip and, and their day out. So definitely very much go and visit it first see it firsthand and get in sort of imagery photography from from those places um and then I'll go back and sort of do some illustrations do some designs and sort of put together something I get quite I'm very lucky that I get like sort of free reign to start off with um sort of here's the here's the brief here's what we want go in sort of create something so then after that, we'll sort of put together a design and I'll maybe put together some products that I think maybe what might work. And then we sort of go from there. We sort of tweak it. Sometimes the information might be incorrect or um, they prefer to take out some images. And it's a very um, sort of a partnership kind of relationship because it's 
the people that I'm working with, they know the place inside out. So if I've taken something that I thought was interesting, but doesn't quite work with their branding or with their, their sort of ethos, then it'll be taken out. And, and that's absolutely fine because it's, it's them that will be selling it. It'll be them that are talking to the customers and sort of knowing what's going to sell and, and things like that. So design is created and then we'll, put it onto products and normally I sort of help find the suppliers and um, sort of recommend some sort of products that I think might work with some designs from previous examples um, previous museums that I've worked with. And then I also like doing the, the sort of end part, the packaging, because I found in some, um, some clients it's quite a small team in the retail side and don't necessarily have the time to look at swatches for binding for oven gloves and looking at fabric materials and all those kind of details but I'd want to make sure that I'm putting my name on it so I want to make sure it's the best product that it can be for the customer and I want it to be well thought out because because like you say they're spending their money and they want to have something that is bespoke for that place and and also you can add a bit of a premium to that product that has been like well thought out and and things like that. So, yeah, so I really tried and go for the full process from start to finish and and they are helping with the packaging. And if you need sort of labels designed, I'm really like interested in that kind of whole design process. It's really collaborative, isn't it? You're working really oh. kind of hand in hand with them. Yeah, yeah, I definitely feel that is the better way to go about it rather than just here's a design you pay me for that and you've got to deal with it you've got to sell it I'd rather it be something that they're proud of as well and that they're passionate about it and that really does help actually with the designers when you're speaking to the staff and customers and things like that the passion of their site and the story that they are telling when that passion comes over it really influences the design and sort of I get that passion as well and then I get really excited thinking I really hope that they like it and I really hope it they can see that I've listened to what they've said and and things like that so little details that go in the design I hope that comes across. And how do you work with the site to kind of define what those products might be because I guess you know your your illustrations can be applied to a variety of of different products how do you help that 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 site define like what products are going to be the most popular for them and 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 how they can make the most of them so normally they already have a shop and a sort of product range that they have already and it sometimes it's just a new product collection so i can say that this design particularly works well with maybe confectionery or um kitchenware um if it's a place that's not really has product development or they've just potentially bought things for stock it's kind of a okay so who's your target market who are the people that are coming in and buying tickets and who are the people that are spending the most time in the gift shop it's really the research that they have and it's all their knowledge that really influences what the products I can sort of suggest and say I think this would work really well for this target market but they are the people that would know who is their customer and um yeah, I'm not there to tell them this is what you should do at all. It really is a, I'd like to help or I'd like to sort of contribute. So, yeah, it really is down to them, to be honest. <laughs> so, it's them, so if we talk about things that, that people need to think about before they start to speak to somebody like you who will help them develop those products, what do they need to know before they engage with you? You know, what do they need to prepare beforehand? 
I suppose it, it depends on what their end reason for having design. So an example would be some design I did for, for a client was not used for products. It was used for educational purposes, really. So getting the school kids would be a big part of their attraction and they needed sort of like a branding or a mascot um, that could be sort of targeting to the children and sort of had little speech bubbles and sort of giving them the sort of educational purposes and the, and the facts and figures of that. Um, so that was a very different market. If I gave you an ideal brief, what would hmm. be in that brief? You know, if it, what would you need to know that you would have everything that was in that brief that you'd go, oh, this brief is perfect. I'm going to take that away. And Perfect brief would be fairly minimal. It would be come and visit on X, Y, Z, like the day. And then I go and sort of take inspiration from the place and sort of go from there. That would, I'd say, would be the perfect brief. Um, or another one would be we've got five sites and we're trying to collaborate them together because they're all a bit disjointed or something like that. And it'll be like, okay, right, I'll go to each five site, find out something specific, and then a design will be created that can collaborate each five site and then you can sell it in each five site. So they're all brought together, um, sort of finding out what their, their unique characteristics are to go on is that harder to do because I guess you know, if you're going to one site mm. you can you know there there will be individual things about that site that are really you know bespoke to that site you know and yeah. it's 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 kind of it feels like it would be easier to create like one thing how do you manage it when it's five different sites you have to go through the same process at each site I suppose so there's one particular client that I'm working with the Brighton Pavilion Trust so they've got five museums down in Brighton so the Royal Pavilion is kind of like the classic beautiful um architectural building such an iconic building isn't it everyone remembers it beautiful and then uh, again of course I didn't know that they had five other sites um that were all linked in the same thing and they wanted to sort of create something that was um uniformed so went round and found all these like quirky little things that um were in each site and so I did all the buildings um drawn all the buildings and then added little elements that were relevant and then put them into a one design into I normally put it into repeat just for textile design background I suppose um but then it sort of customers I hope will be able to sort of recognize all these different elements and then know that they can go to each different site and then find something else, something else there. That makes sense. And so when, I guess you might be a bit biased in the, (laughs) (laughs) but bear with me, like how important do you think it is that heritage sites do have niche products? Um, I think it's very important. So yes, I'm probably biased. (laughs) Um, um, I think it's very important because so my mindset for it is that you're spending X amount of money to go into ticket, like to get into the place. And it's a day out and you wouldn't go there if it was just like a park or it had no memory or meaning to it. You go there because there is a purpose to that place and and the people are passionate about their history and what they're offering. They are ultimately offering a story and and a place to go. And I think that it's only fair to sort of capture those stories into something that they can take home as a souvenir. Um, And I suppose, yeah, the meaning of the souvenir is the whole reason why I sort of 
create bespokeness is because you want something that you can only buy from that place and and yeah and I also think that like well thought design is important um rather than something that you think oh they didn't really care very much about the product I think it's important to make sure that you do care about the end product so that your customers know that you're you're passionate about the story and and you want them to come back and you want them to remember and it'd be a nice gift that they can give to somebody else as well it's it's helping them kind of continue that story as well isn't it the continue the journey that they've been on by buying something that is only available there they then bring home that then sparks those lovely memories that they've had of that 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 day and again does it does it set as a you know does it act as a reminder to say we need to go there again you know it's it's something that's in their house they physically see it all the time we need to go back there we need to revisit yeah, of course. And like, I suppose if you go to like John Lewis and they've got some beautiful collections from maybe artists or um, just well-designed products, you think, wow, that's really nice. I might want to sort of go back and add to the collection. So you've got a set of some really nice products. And I think, why couldn't you do that in a museum setting and a visitor site setting? Why can't you have like really beautiful products that maybe you want to go back and get the set or maybe... Um, you see what else they've developed and think I want to spend, I'd rather spend my money here than on a high street store. Um, And I suppose it's making that decision made easy for customers to spend their money in a museum visitor site rather than somewhere else online. Yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. I I completely agree with you on that. I think it's, um, it's part of that whole mindset. Well, I mean, I think we would, we would, I mean, there was, there was a, a majority of people that were trying to kind of shift to you know buying local and buying niche mm. and buying smaller products anyway yeah. um but there's definitely been a shift towards that more so since lockdown you know buying local supporting independence and things and I think if you can intertwine that into your kind of visitor center as well then that's a that's a perfect offering yeah no I totally totally agree have you seen and again this might you might not have facts and figures and stuff for this, but I'd be interested to know if you've spoken to any of the attractions that you've worked with and seen what the uptake has been in those niche products compared to something that was a stock product that people would have been able to buy previously. Yeah. Um, no, I don't have facts and figures. I would love to be able to say <laughs> their revenue was amazing after they had in front of me. Um, no, so I think, in obviously 2020 um I had five projects that was going on to products um that all got sort of put on hold and I only really started the business in 2018 so in terms of facts and figures um it's quite difficult to sort of get them because it's quite a short time however um I did get contacted by a charity called ABF the the national soldiers charity in I think it was March April last year so during the lockdown and we created a design and we created some products and it went quite well and they had to reorder within a couple of months and we did some Christmas cards that were e-cards and they were doing them onto physical Christmas cards and we're doing um, some new product collections that I know stationery um, we did confectionery and we sort of expanded on the confectionery style and the sort of response has been really good um, in terms, I, I suppose it is a different market in terms of that it's a charity, a military charity rather than a visitor attraction. But the sort of process is still the same, same thing. I still gain elements from what 
they do what their ethos what why is the charity what do they do like why they do what they do and um put that onto design and people sort of like took I think they quite like liked it I suppose because they were like yes this is the charity that I support and have a lot of um relationships or or memories with this charity and yeah I want to support them and the fact that they've got a lovely designed product even better um so instead of just sort of donating money which people do every month they actually get a product for it and and something they can sort of admire us but not no I I totally get that I think it's really relevant regardless of whether you know that's a charity or an attraction that you're talking to I think that it it, again it comes back to that idea of you know people are making really big choices about where they spend their money and that charity and that or that attraction is really important to them therefore they're choosing to spend their money there and they want something that they can only get at that venue I think that's that's the message that we're driving through today isn't it it's it is really important that your venue has something that is so special and so unique to you that people can only spend their money there on that product yeah because ultimately the people will go there for a particular reason because of the story that they tell and if it can be some way reflected into a, a lovely product that they can then purchase and help then the money goes back into the refurbishment or the continuation of that organization I think all the better for it yeah absolutely okay so other than behind your head where I can see (laughs) some of your beautiful products again if you're not if you're not watching this on YouTube apologies um where what attractions have you worked with and where can we find out a bit more about your work Mm-hmm. Okay, so Chatham Dockyard, as I have so alluded to to start off with, they still um, sell the three designs that I started my business on, so you can go and find them there. Um, Chelsea Pensioners was such an amazing project to work on, sort of going around the Chelsea Pensioners site, the Royal Hospital, and speaking with Chelsea Pensioner and getting all that thing. So they have products and they have it online as well. So if you have any connection to the Chelsea Pensioners, um, that was a really good project to work on. Um, other products, um, so the Brighton Pavilion Trust, I really hope I've got that name right, but um, so soon this year we're working on some products that will combine all the five sites um, that they have and we're putting them on two products. So it would have come out 2020, but um, obviously it was postponed. So hopefully this year, maybe next year, um, Brighton will have some new products um designed by me so exciting i think it's wonderful Uh, you know i've really enjoyed chatting to you today just to find out more about that process and how it works what um if anyone wants to get in touch with you where's the best place that they can do that um i suppose website email um designed by esther.co.uk Instagram I try and put a lot more on Instagram fabulous Uh, we will put all links to Esther's uh, contact details in the show notes anyway so don't worry if you didn't grab that um you'll be able to pop over and hit her up if you want to chat with her and find out a little bit more about how she can help um we always end our podcast though with asking about a book um that you'd recommend to our listeners so it a book that that you love or something that's helped shape your career in some way. So what, what's your suggestion for us today? Okay, so ashamedly, I've not read many books. Um, however, over lockdown, um, there's a lady called Holly Tucker who co-founded Not On The High Street and Holly & Co. And she's been doing these like Instagram lives 
two, three times a week. And they've been so inspirational, so motivating. And she really just like captures what small businesses and sort of no entrepreneurs are going through. And she really likes to answer questions and she's just so helpful. So she has a book coming out called Do What You Love, Love What You Do. I pre-ordered it and I'm so excited to read, to read it. I've like, um, gone against the rules that I haven't read it. But yeah, she over lockdown, she has really inspired me to think, actually, why do I want to run a business? And why do I want to continue what I'm doing? So she has been a big boost in daily running of my business so yeah I really recommend her and also if you just like watch her Instagram lives she's so interesting and so personable and she just she's just incredible so I love that I think that's a perfect book for this episode right it fits yeah well with what we've been talking about in terms of product so perfect yeah good recommendation all right well as ever listeners if you want to win a copy of this book then if you head over to our Twitter account uh which is skip the queue And if you retweet this episode announcement with the comment, I want Esther's book, then you will be in with a chance of winning it. Yeah, it should be a good one. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Esther, thank you so much for coming on today. I've really enjoyed finding out a bit more about what you do. And and I think understanding a bit of that process that you go through when you work with attractions will definitely help our our audience um, if they're thinking about developing a bespoke product in some way that is going to be really individual for them. So thank you. Thank you very much for asking me. I hope it has been of some use. (laughs) It absolutely will be. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.